Okay, good to see everyone. Let's stand and we'll sing the Christmas carol, the hymn, Thou didst leave thy throne, four verses of it tonight. Thank the Lord for leaving his throne indeed and coming to save us from our sin. Sleeve thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home there was found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. was born just before break of morn as the stars in the sky were fading for the place where he lay fell a shadow holding gray of a cross that would humble a Wounded that all 
thank you for Christmas time, Lord, but we, we do thank you very much that you help us understand as a church family the real reason why Jesus came. We need to, to the best of our ability, both remember and communicate that it started in a manger when he came to earth, but it ended with his resurrection and his victory, and because of that, ours as well. Help us never to forget the purpose of why Jesus came and we thank you again, and we worship you as we've been worshiping you today. We worship you tonight for this very reason. Thank you so much. May you bless our gathering tonight. May we learn, may we grow in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Let's be seated. The psalm we'll be looking at tonight is Psalm 13. Ask you to turn there, Psalm 13, the Psalm of David. It's a short psalm, only six verses long. Psalm 13, verse 1. It's uh, David really being very transparent with his feelings. How long will you forget me, O Lord? Forever? How long will you take? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? 
Consider and hear me, O Lord, my God. Lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest mine enemy say, I have prevailed against him, and those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Begins in the psalm very down and discouraged. He prays and then he ends the psalm with praise and trust. He works through that as he calls out to the Lord in prayer. And so I I see in this uh, verses 1 and 2 the problem. Verses 3 and 4, the prayer, and verses 5 and 6, the praise. He works down through that problem through prayer to praise.
Thank you, Philip. Church, can you hear the progression of our kids year after year after year? I just, I, I rejoice in that. We have a lot of young people right now, both uh, preteens, teens, kids that are committing hard to practice. And uh, I don't know how many times Philip practiced this song, but uh, as a teacher, I can tell you a lot. And uh, it's paying off. So good job, young man. Thank you. Okay, uh, tonight we're going to do favorite Christmas carols. We tr I try to get us to sing most of the Christmas carols out of our hymn book through the season, but once in a while I might miss a few, but even at that, if there's any that you want to sing tonight, be glad to do so. Um, we can sing a couple verses out of it. Uh, so maybe we'll be singing them next week, maybe not, but either way, they're generally found in page 116 to 135 of our hymn book. So... Uh, Grab that if you want, and uh, let's see what you want to sing tonight. Karen. 126. And let me know if you have any verses you want to sing from it as well. It's up to you. One and three. All right. Good deal. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap? He's sleeping. Whom angels greet. Which verse? Got a preference? Okay. Well, sometimes on the, you know, it's funny, with the, the Christmas program, usually these songs we sing, they're like bridge songs to get one kid's class up to the next one. So if I'm going to lean toward any, I'm going to lean toward verses 3 and 4, because that's what we usually miss. So how, 3 and 4 good with you? Okay, 3 and 4 then. Come to 
25. All right. Verse. Whatever I want. One? One it is. All right. Okay. Do you have a verse or two you want to sing from it, bud? Three and four. All right. And ye, and ye beneath thy 
life's crushing load, whose forms are bending low, who toil along the climbing way with painful steps and slow. Look now for glad and golden hours come swiftly One twenty-eight, verses 1 and 3. All right. Twenty-seven. Okay. <laughs> he asked so sweetly, "Can we do the whole song?" That's not very. Yes, I guess. Can't say no now. <laughs> it's a good song. We'll do the whole thing. Go tell it. shepherds kept their 
That's a fun one. I like that one. Okay, how about one more? Well, okay, I saw two hands, so I'll go with two more. Ruth and then Jordan. 116. Which verse is Ruth? One and four. Okay, thank you. Leave thy throne and thy kingly crown when thou camest to earth for me. But in Bethlehem's home was there found no room for thy holy nativity. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. There is room in my heart for thee. Thou camest. Thou camest, O Lord, with a living word that should set thy people free. But with mocking scorn, crown of thorn, they bore thee to Calvary. Oh, come to my heart, Lord Jesus. Mr. Keys. All right, number 120, verses 1 and 6. Okay. I think this sets the record for most verses in a, a hymn book, six verses. I don't think any there's others. <laughs> but uh, years ago, I, Lisa and I were in a church. I don't know if she remembers this or not. But uh, we sang all, verse, all six verses, and we sang it about this speed. I think we missed Christmas that year. I'm not sure. (laughs) 
<laughs> one and six. Enjoy singing Christmas carols with you. Thank you. Psalm 13, once again. Yes, thank you for those Christmas carols. I said last week, it usually takes me a few weeks to kind of get into the Christmas spirit. Well, that helped tonight, so maybe I'll get there. Many of us have used the Psalms for a source of comfort, many of them written by David, and many of them written by David when he was very discouraged, very down. Uh, sometimes uh, these Psalms represent some very dark days in the life of David. And uh, as David writes these Psalms, he, he is uh, very transparent, very open about how he's feeling. And uh, this Psalm 13 is, is no different, as he's very transparent about how he's feeling and, and struggling. And, and obviously, as, as a king, he was often attacked, attacked by those uh, from outside the kingdom and attacked from those within the kingdom. In fact, as we know, David's life, he was attacked by his own son, Absalom, and so uh, very dark days. In Psalm 13, we don't know the specific circumstances in which he wrote this psalm, but uh, it is a time when he's very discouraged, a time when he's obviously being attacked by the enemy. Very dark days. How does he work through that? And sometimes we face some pretty dark days. How do we work through that in our own lives? As I said earlier, this psalm seems to be broken down into the, the, the problem, the prayer, and then he works through to the praise. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you again for the Psalms that are a great source of comfort. 
And we pray that even tonight as we work through this psalm, we would recognize that in those dark days of our own lives, we can come to you in prayer and we can come and have victory into praise. And I would ask, Father, that you would help us to see David's progression through this so that we might imitate that in our own lives. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. David presents his problem by asking four questions. How long will you forget me, O Lord, forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Four questions that really represent uh, what he's struggling with. He's struggling emotionally, obviously. He's struggling spiritually. That first question, how long are you going to forget me, O Lord, forever? Well, that, that's a struggle spiritually. He, he feels as though uh, God has been silent. God has not been acting. And so he takes God's silence and God's inaction as, has God just forgotten me altogether? Have you ever felt that way? God doesn't seem to be listening. God doesn't seem to be acting. And so has God just forgotten about me? Um, you know, I, I wonder sometimes if Abraham felt that way. Abraham, as we know, his sin with Hagar and that whole uh, circumstance. And, and as far as we know from Scripture, as we read down through that, um, God was silent for 13 years after that sin with Hagar. As far as we know from Scripture, God was silent for 13 years. I wonder if Abraham, during those 13 years, wondered, has God forgotten me? Did he interpret God's silence and God's inaction as God has just forgotten me? Or, or I think of Jacob. You know, Jacob is 20 years working for Laban out of the promised land. And I wonder if Jacob at times wondered, you know, has God forgotten me? I, I'm not in the promised land. And, and certainly Jacob was, was guilty of some things there. But did he at some point come around and think, man, has God just forgotten me as I'm laboring over here? Or Joseph, especially, we think of Joseph, you know, he's 20 years in Egypt away from his family, and, and for some of those years he's in jail, and we know that, that uh, he was forgotten by man. The baker was supposed to remind Pharaoh about Joseph, and he forgot all about him. God, have you forgotten me? How, how long are you going to forget me? I'm struggling down here, and, and, and you're silent, you're not doing anything. Have you forgotten me? In a sense, I think David's saying, God, your silence is deafening. <laughs> You're not even here. Pretty dark day. Next question, how long will you hide your face from me? Um, maybe, God, you haven't forgotten me. Maybe you're just ignoring me. You're hiding your face from me. Now, which is worse? kind of think I'd rather be forgotten than just ignored. <laughs> a 
Lord, have you forgotten me? Lord, are you just, do you not care? I think I'd rather have somebody just forget me than to not forget me. They remember me, they just don't care. They just hide their face from me. They just ignore me. And so I think David kind of is expressing that here. He said, okay, God, if you haven't forgotten me, then what's worse is that you're just ignoring me. Again, you're, you're, you're being silent, and uh, you're not acting in my behalf. And so either you have forgotten me, or worse yet, you're ignoring me and you don't care. And then he says, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? Now notice, daily. This was not just something that, uh, you know, David was struggling with for a few hours. This was day after day after day. He, he was struggling. He was down. These were dark days. And he was struggling emotionally. He's struggling spiritually. He says, daily, I, I, how, I, how long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? He was sorrowing. And he, he was trying to counsel himself, trying to encourage himself. No doubt, as he was trying to counsel himself, he probably was trying to convince himself that God hasn't forgotten. God, God's not going to forget me. God's not going to ignore me. God, God is, you know, I, I can't look at, at this silence and appearing inaction, but, but I can't look at his silence as inaction. He's probably trying to counsel himself through this and, and, and help him to, to get his mind in a different place, but it doesn't seem to be working. God, I'm taking counsel with myself. I'm trying to encourage myself. I'm, I'm trying to, to take your word and counsel myself with your word, but it just doesn't seem to be working. How long am I going to have to do this before it works? And so no doubt he, he knows in his mind that God's not going to forget him. He knows in his mind that God's not ignoring him, but his feelings are overwhelming him. He feels ignored. He feels forgotten. And so he tries to counsel himself, but it doesn't seem to be working. And, and when it says here he, he, he uh, takes counsel in his own soul, that would suggest that he had no one else to counsel him. In other words, he possibly in this question, I'm counseling myself, he, he's also expressing that, that he doesn't have anyone else to counsel him. His friends have forsaken him as well. So he has no one else to counsel him. He's trying to counsel himself, and it doesn't seem to be working. And then finally, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Says God, it seems as though my enemy is getting the upper hand here. It seems as though they are, they are getting closer and closer to victory over me. Um, it seems like I'm losing the battle. I'm not making it here. I, I'm going down, and my enemy is rising. How long is that going to take place? And, and, and I think kind of tied in with that question is, God, why are you allowing this? You know, my, my enemy is, is, is gaining the upper hand, and I, I seem to be going down. My enemy is rising, and, and, and if something doesn't change, they're going to triumph over me. And God, why are you allowing this? Why are you allowing my enemy to get the upper hand? How long are you going to allow that? You know, if you really cared, 
you would take care of the enemy. Isn't that what you kind of see in, in that question? God, if you really cared, you, you wouldn't allow this. If you really cared, you would give me the victory. And yet it seems like the enemy is getting the victory. So David states his problem very clearly. He lays out his complaint. Why aren't you responding, God? So that's, the, that's his feelings. Being very transparent, that's, that's what he's struggling with. Emotionally, spiritually, he struggles. So we come to verses 3 and 4 and we come to his prayer. Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. His first request is consider me. Um, look on my situation here. Think, think about me. It seems like you've forgotten me, so don't forget me. Think about me. Consider me. Look at my situation. Look what's going on here. And so he feels like God's forgotten him. And now he prays, God, think about me. Don't forget me. Think about me. Then hear me. In other words, uh, God, don't ignore me. Care about me. Hear me. Answer my prayer. Break the silence. Act in my behalf. Hear me is the idea. Answer me. Give, give me an answer here. I, I'm struggling, and uh, I feel like you've forgotten me. So he says, consider me. That's the idea of, of think about me. Look at my situation. And then secondly, he says, hear me, answer my prayer. Don't ignore me anymore. Act. That's his prayer. But then, lighten my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Enlighten me, Lord. Help me to see it as you see it. Help me to see my circumstances as you see my circumstances. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously focused on the wrong thing here, so refocus my eyes. Help me to understand what you're doing. It, that, that thought fits in very well with our message this morning. We don't always understand what God's doing. It, it, he can be confusing sometimes. And, uh, and, and, and David's saying, God, I, I'm really confused. Help me to understand. I know your thoughts are higher than my thoughts and your ways are higher than my ways, so help me to, to understand your thoughts. Help me to see your ways. Enlighten my eyes to, to the reality of what you are doing. Enlighten my eyes to, to the challenge before me. Help me to see it as you see it. Enlighten my eyes. Because if the status quo continues, it's killing me. I'll sleep the sleep of death. Can't go on like this. I've got to see it differently. Help me to see it differently. And, and so I, we, we see David kind of working through this, and, and he's expressed his feelings, but but now he's beginning to realize, you know what, I, I'm obviously seeing this wrong. I've got to see this differently. God, help me to see it as you see it. Help me to see it differently. Help me to recognize that you haven't forgotten me. Help me to recognize that you're not ignoring me. Help me to recognize that silence is not necessarily inaction. Help me to understand what you're doing and why. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against him 
And those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved or when I am shaken. He says, God, if you, if you don't step in, my enemy will have the victory. If you don't do something, I will be defeated. And so in, in this, David is acknowledging his total dependence upon God. He is humbling himself before God. You know, to start out with, God, how long are you going to forget me? And, and are you ignoring me? And, and my enemy's prevailing over me? And, yeah, that's, that's a little bit of, uh, of, and this is where we sometimes in our dark days, we can get lifted up a little bit with pride in the sense of, God, I don't deserve this. You, you, you should step in and do something here. That's what I deserve. So a little bit of pride. But now as he prays, David's saying, God, I'm totally dependent upon you. You need to just step in and you need to take care of this. I can't do anything about it. There's even perhaps a little bit of a hint here that uh, if my enemy prevails over me, God, that's going to reflect on your name. My enemies know that you're my God, and if they defeat me, they're going to believe that they defeated my God. And so there's probably a little bit of a hint there as well that, God, uh, you need to step in and you need to do something, yes, for, for my sake, but for your sake. Step in and give me the victory. Don't let my enemies have victory over me. But he acknowledges his total dependence upon God in, in, in that thought. And so as he's worked down through that, he's expressed that problem, and now he, he prays and, and he's acknowledging that, that uh, uh, you know, that I, I've got to see this differently. The reality is different than what I'm feeling, and so help me to see it differently. And, and, and I'm totally dependent upon you, God. And so as he's worked through that, he now comes to the praise. He says, but I have trusted in your mercy I have trusted in your mercy. Or perhaps your translation says your loving kindness or, or even the, uh, the thought of unfailing love. I like that translation. I've trusted in your unfailing love. He, he comes to the point where he realizes God hasn't forgotten me. His love is unfailing. And I'm going to trust in that unfailing love. And, and, and even though I'm feeling forgotten even though I'm feeling ignored God I'm going to praise you regardless of how I'm feeling and I'm going to start trusting I'm going to start trusting in what I know not what I feel we've said many times the the passage in Hebrews chapter 13 it talks about the the sacrifice of praise well what is it that we sacrifice when we praise God you could probably come up with several things, but I, my thought, usually when it comes to that verse, my thought goes to what I need to often sacrifice when it comes to praise is my feelings. A lot of times, I don't feel like praising God. In my dark days, you know, David, you know, how long have you forgotten me? Are you just ignoring me? David wasn't feeling like praising God. But as he works down through that, he says, I'm going to praise God regardless of how I'm feeling. I'm going to trust in his unfailing love. He says that his love will never fail me. I'm going to trust in that. I'm going to praise him for it. 
doesn't matter how I'm feeling. I'm going to sacrifice my feelings and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to praise him for it. Ultimately, he came to the realization that he could trust in God's unfailing love. I'll trust in your unfailing love. I will rejoice in your salvation. Part of working down through this was to think about how God had delivered him in the past. And he was going to rejoice in that past deliverance. Other times when he was facing dark days, other times when he was struggling, other times when the enemy was against him, God had delivered him. And so he says, you know what? I need to think about that past deliverance. And I need to rejoice in how God has delivered me in the past. And as he rejoices in how God had delivered in the past, I believe the thought here is that I'm going to rejoice in the deliverance that he's going to give me now. I'm going to trust him in his unfailing love, and I believe he's going to deliver me, and I'm going to rejoice in that deliverance now as well. He rejoiced in the past deliverance, and in that rejoicing the past deliverance, he was going to rejoice in the present deliverance that God would provide for him. We sing that hymn often, count your many blessings, name them one by one. And, and I think that's what David's doing here. He's counting his blessings from the past and how God had delivered him in the past. And he's going to rejoice in that deliverance with the anticipation that he's going to deliver me this time too. And then he says, I will sing unto the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Once again, I'm going to sing. I may not feel like singing. I'm, I'm feeling like God's forsaken me. But I'm going to sing anyway. I'm going to sacrifice those feelings. And I'm going to sing unto the Lord. And I'm going to remember his bountiful goodness to me. He has blessed me abundantly. And I'm going to remember that abundant blessing. And I'm going to praise him for it. And so he works down through that. And, and really the, the thought here is, you know, while I wait... I will worship. While I wait for God's deliverance, while I wait for God to break the silence, while I wait for, for God to act, I'm going to worship Him. It's a great example for us. And, and what we need to understand that the silence of God does not mean the absence of God. And the silence of God does not mean the inaction of God. I think a great example of that is the whole story of Esther. You know, Esther, well, as you know, it's the only book in the Bible that the name God doesn't appear. The word God doesn't appear in the book of Esther. And yet the whole story about Esther is all about God. <laughs> but it's God working behind the scenes. God is silent, but he certainly isn't inactive. He is working very actively behind the scenes. And when all is said and done, what a tremendous deliverance he gives to Israel. God's silence is not God's inaction. And so sometimes when we feel like God's being silent, know that he's working behind the scenes and worship him. While I wait, I will worship. What, what really are we waiting for? What, is, what was David waiting for here? Well, he's, he's waiting for God's will. You know, he says, uh, 
I, I take counsel in my soul, but what he really then is asking for is God's counsel. He's waiting for God's will. God, what is your will in all of this? Um, just go a few pages to Psalm 106. Psalm 106. Verse 9, this is, uh, the psalmist is just kind of rehearsing some, some history of Israel, and here in verse 9, he's remembering the, the Red Sea. He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up, so he led them through the depths as, though, uh, as through the wilderness, and he saved them from the hand of him that hated them, and he redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies, there was not one of them left. Then believed they his words, they sang his praises. So we know the story of the Red Sea and how God delivered them. And, and after he delivered them from Pharaoh and his army, and the Pharaoh and his army was, was uh, drowned in the Red Sea, they praised God for it. They, they sang a song after the crossing of the Red Sea. But... Verse 13, they soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. They waited not for his counsel. They didn't wait for God's will. They didn't wait to get God's advice. David in Psalm 13 is, is saying, I, I take counsel within myself, but in reality, he's waiting for God's counsel. The children of Israel didn't wait for God's counsel. And they started to murmur and complain very quickly and we need to constantly be waiting on God's counsel waiting on his will sometimes God is silent we have to wait for him to show us what he wants us to do sometimes he's silent we have to wait to to get his will made very clear to us and we get impatient we start running ahead of God we're not quite sure what we should do, but we're going to do something, and so we just take off and do it. You know, a great example of that, um, Joshua. They had a great victory in Jericho, and so the next city they were going to take on was Ai, and of course uh, they went to, into Ai, and they were greatly defeated because of the, the you know, the story there. They, they took uh, there was someone in Israel that, that took the uh, things from Jericho that they were not to take. Any of the spoil was not to be taken, but they did. And, uh, but Joshua went into Ai without really taking counsel with God. Because God would have told him if he had taken counsel, no, you're not ready to go. There's sin in the camp. But Joshua didn't take counsel. He just went ahead. You know, God gave us great victory here. He's going to give us great victory in Ai, and he didn't give him the victory because of sin. And then later on, remember the story of the Gibeonites? The, the Gibeonites came, and, and they pretended like they had come from a far country with moldy bread and worn-out shoes, when in reality they were right in the middle of, of the Promised Land, right in the middle of Canaan. And uh, it specifically says, that uh, Joshua did not take counsel of God. And he made a treaty with the Gibeonites. 
which they were not supposed to do, of course. They were not to make any treaties with the Canaanites. They were to defeat the Canaanites. But they were, they were tricked. But God held Joshua and Israel accountable because they didn't take counsel with him. They didn't wait on God's counsel. They just made the treaty without inquiring of God. And it's very interesting, God held them to that treaty. Even though they were tricked, God held them to it. They could not take uh, the, the Gibeonites in, 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 in victory. And you know what? That caused problems for centuries in Israel's history. The Gibeonites were right in the middle of Canaan and played a part in the division of the kingdom between the northern and southern kingdom hundreds of years later because they didn't stop and wait for God's counsel. David, we read in, in first and on into second Samuel, David was always stopping to take counsel with God, to inquire of God. After, after uh, um, the uh, Ziglag, <laughs> after the city of Ziglag was defeated and, and David and his uh, men and his, their families were living in Ziglag, and, and they were defeated, and they were taken captive. And, and David and his men come back to Ziglag, and it's burned. It's destroyed, and, and their families are gone. You know what David does? He takes counsel with God. He inquires, Lord, do you want us to go after him? You know what? If that were me, I wouldn't have stopped to take counsel. I wouldn't have inquired. They've just taken my family. I'm going after him. David stopped and said, God, is that what you want me to do? God said yes. And he went, and they did get the families back, and they did defeat the enemy. But it just amazes me that David stopped and took counsel of God, inquired of God, should I go after him? Is that what you want me to do? When, Jonathan, or when Saul was, was killed, and Jonathan was killed at the same time, um, David was already anointed to be the next king. Saul was killed, and, and, and so David inquires of the Lord, should I go up to Israel? Well, if I'm anointed the next king and the, previous, and the current king has been killed, then I'm going up to Israel. That's just logical. But he inquires of the Lord, should I go up to Israel? And God said, yes, go up. But then he doesn't stop there. He said, do I go up to Hebron? Hebron at the time was the capital. So I, if it were me, I wouldn't have asked, should I go up to Israel? I'd have just gone. And once God said, yeah, go to Israel, if I would have at least asked that, and he said, yeah, go to Israel, I'd have gone to the capital, Hebron. But David didn't just assume that's what God wanted. He waited on God's counsel. And you see that throughout the, the life of David, other times as well. So David, in this psalm, he comes to the point where he's going to wait on God's counsel. He's going to wait for God's deliverance. God, you have delivered me in the past. I will now wait for deliverance in the present. At the Red Sea, we just read from Psalm 106. At the Red Sea, God said, fear not, stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. 
Sometimes we just need to stand still and wait for God's deliverance. Instead of trying to manipulate things, instead of trying to jump ahead of God and trying to work it out ourselves, we need to just stand still and wait for God's deliverance. We need to wait for God's will, we need to wait for God's deliverance, and then we just ultimately need to wait for God's promises. He's made some promises, he will fulfill them, maybe not as quickly as we want, maybe not in the timetable that we want, but he will fulfill those promises, we just need to wait on God's promises. David came to that point through Psalm 13. He said he was going to trust in his unfailing love. He was going to rejoice in his salvation and deliverance. And he was indeed going to sing unto God in praise. As he waited, he worshipped. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you so much for this example of David. And certainly we are sometimes faced with discouragement and some dark days. Help us to work through it even as David worked through it. Help us to come to a point where we, we just are dependent upon you, that we are humbling ourselves before you, that we're going to trust you, that indeed we are going to praise you and sing praises and, and rejoice in your deliverance and in your salvation. Help us, Father, to just sacrifice our feelings and praise you. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Shall we stand? Again, Father, as we <clears throat> leave this place this evening, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in our testimony, faithful in our witness. Throughout this week, Father, I pray that we would once again just buy up the opportunities that you give to us to, to speak a word for you and to speak your truth, even at this time of year, to tell others of what we believe Christmas is all about. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good evening. May God bless you.